0: Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Hawick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details. So this morning we are continuing our brand new sermon series, The New Life. Uh, and we're in Ephesians 4. We're gonna move a little bit around the scriptures this morning. Uh, But we're going to start in Ephesians 4. A really important scripture for us as a church, it's the scripture from which we get our name, is Ephesians 4.15. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, that is Christ. It's a really important scripture for us. Now, as you read beyond Ephesians 4.15, there's this really valuable section in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, in which he animates what this new life that we are to grow up into actually looks like. And that's what we are exploring in this series. What does this new life that we are seeking to grow up into, what what does it actually look like when it's lived out in the world? Last week, Pastor Judy kicked us off looking at Ephesians 4, 17 through to 24. And we saw how, as believers we are called to put on the new self and to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And of course, this is going to cause us to live lives that sometimes contrast societal norms and may sometimes even place us at odds with the ideologies and the patterns of this world. Today, we're going to see one way in which we Uh, May be called to live differently. We're going to be focusing on just one verse, that is Ephesians 4, verse 25. Let's read it together now. Paul writes Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another the bible has so much to say about the subject of honesty and truthfulness it has so much to say and it is really really clear in what it says however despite the volume and the clarity of what the bible says on the subject You really don't hear too many focused sermons on the sin of lying and the virtue of truthfulness. Why is that? Well, I was thinking this week that it may be because lying is something that we all already agree is sinful. We don't feel like we need any further commentary. We don't feel like we need any further persuasion on this point. And that's not just true in the church. That's also true out there in the world as well. Certainly, nobody appreciates being lied to. Nobody. And then perhaps we consider the commands of Scripture on this matter to be sufficient at first reading, self-explanatory, with no further appeal or commentary needed. Maybe that's why you haven't heard too many focused sermons on this topic. But uh, our apparent societal consensus has far from eliminated lying from among us, because lies are still told in our wider community. Lies are still told in the marketplace. Lies are still told in... Our homes and lies are still told in church. So uh, this series, which is really just an expositional walk through a long passage of Scripture where we preach what we see in front of us, it really gives us a great opportunity to consider a uh, biblical view of uh, what it means to obey this command. So why don't you come with me Uh, all the way back to the start of the Bible, uh, Genesis. And uh, we're going to look at Genesis 3 to start. Genesis 3. We're going to do a little bit of walking through Scripture today to get a a bit of an overview on the subject. Now, here in Genesis 3, we see what is known as the fall of, of man. Through Adam and Eve's acts of disobedience and rebellion to God, sin and all of its disastrous, ruinous effects entered into all of humanity. Humanity was plunged into fallenness and sin. And it was all instigated by a liar and a lie. So let's read together, Genesis 3, verse 1. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Now, here's a big moment in human history. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Five words, you will not surely die. That is the most powerful lie in all of human history. Go ahead, eat the fruit. What's he really saying? He's saying, you can't live with your faith and your trust in what God says. No, no, no. Trust your eyes. Trust your appetites. Trust me, but don't trust God. This is the most powerful lie in all of human history, for from this lie proceeded all other lies and all of our problems without exception. This is the doctrine of the fall of man. All of our personal problems, all of our relational problems, all of our social problems, all that is wrong in this world, all that is evil, all that is immoral, all that is not as it should be. All decay, all disappointment, all weakness, all sadness, all sorrow, all pain, all trouble, all regret. All conflict, all hate, all envy, all bitterness, all crime, all murder, all deception, all error, all manipulation. All of it traces back to these five words, to this monumentally tragic event, all instigated by a liar telling a lie. Come with me now over to the next book, Exodus, and we're going to look at chapter 20. Here in Exodus chapter 20, we're going to read from verse 16. We see the Ten Commandments. It's revealing of both God's nature and his will for his people. Commandment number nine. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Pretty clear, right? Over in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 11, you shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, and you shall not lie to one another. Come with me over to the Proverbs wisdom literature after the Psalms, and we're going to look at just a couple of Proverbs. Proverbs Chapter 6, verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Proverbs 12, verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Now, this one's my favorite, and I've been thinking about it all week, and I still haven't quite figured it out, but it's awesome, okay? Proverbs 20, verse 17. Bread gained by deceit Is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. It's a great picture. Okay, well, come with me into the New Testament and uh, we're going to go to the book of Titus. So Paul wrote this letter to uh, the church in Crete. And uh, Titus was a leader in the church of Crete. Uh, We're going to look at chapter one. We're going to look at the opening couple of verses of the letter. This is Paul's introduction of himself and the letter. He writes like this, verse one, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, look at this, who never lies, promised before the ages began. God never lies. Now, why did Paul include that little detail? God himself never lies. It's because Paul was writing to a people group who had a well-earned reputation for lying, for dishonesty. Have you ever heard the phrase Cretan? He was writing to the Cretans. They themselves were reputably dishonest. They had emerged or had not yet emerged from the worship of Zeus, who was this mythological Greek man became God who had a shady reputation himself. He was a liar. And from this, the Cretans had drawn a kind of divine permission for their behavior. After all, if God himself lies, then why can't we? So what Paul is doing here, because he knows that Uh, this way of life was not fitting for the people of God and it needed to be changed by God's power. He's establishing here that God is the one true God and he never lies. He is starkly different from the false gods of their mythology and he himself never lies, which removes all grounds for the Cretans to lie as well god never lies then nor can they and if god never lies then nor can we okay one more example revelation 21 before we get back to ephesians 4 trying to show you the full weight of the scriptures in relation to this command this is eschatological prophecy, a divine foretelling of the end times in which God will inaugurate a new heaven and a new earth to be inhabited by those who have believed upon him for salvation. But what will be the end of the one whose lives are characterized by lies? 21, verse 8. As for the cowardly, the faithless the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So it's not just a good idea for us socially to not lie. This is profoundly important. This is profoundly important stuff. Okay, back to Ephesians 4. Remember, lying, like any sin of the tongue, does not originate on the lips. It's an overflow of a fallen heart. Verse 25 begins with, therefore. In other words, this imperative to speak the truth and to not lie flows on from what has been said immediately before. That is our text from last week that Pastor Judy preached. From verse 17, I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And from there, we read our text for today. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So, Falsehood is a characteristic of the old self. And the old self is to be put off. The old self is corrupt through deceitful desires. In other words, our old self was deceived. Our old self saw all of life according to a grand lie. And a thousand subsequent falsehoods. And those who live according to the patterns of the old self are of their father, the devil. Now that sounds harsh, doesn't it? That sounds harsh. But I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Jesus said that, not me. Satan's deception led to our fall and to the Old, deceived self, which deceitfully sows desires that corrupt and give birth to all kinds of sin, including the sin of false witness. And when you think about it, when you think about the big picture, it makes sense, doesn't it? That a liar would beget a lie that begets lying. Again, all lies ultimately have a father, the father of lies, Satan. But here's the good news. Here's the good news in Jesus Christ. He is no longer our Father. In Christ, God is our Father. And we are no longer obligated to live according to the old self. So Scripture says, Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body and make you obey its passions. We don't present our members, we don't present our lips or our tongues to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but rather we present ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and our members, including our tongues, to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin no longer has dominion over you. We no longer live according to the lie of the fall, but rather according to the hope of Jesus Christ. We are no longer under the law. We are under grace. And so Paul says, put off that old self. Put off lying. And put on instead the new self, the nature that is created by the God who never lies and is characterized by, not by falsehood, but rather by righteousness and by holiness that comes not from satanic deceit, but rather from the truth. If the lies of Satan beget the lies of sinners, then the truth of Christ must beget the truthfulness of the saints. So put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Put away falsehood and let each one of us speak the truth with his neighbor. Okay, we're going to finish in five minutes. Maybe the band can come and keep me accountable. We're just going to zoom in to the rest of verse 25. Of all of the reasons that Paul could give us as to why we should speak truthfully with one another. And there are many reasons that he could give us. He doesn't even need to give us a reason. He could just say, God commands us, therefore we are to obey. But he gives us a reason here in verse 25, and it's a persuasive, powerful reason. He says in verse 25, for we are members Of one another, for we are members of one another. Speak the truth in here and out there, for we are members of one another. Now, specifically, this is appealing to us as believers to not speak falsehoods to or about each other. Because Paul is working with this image of the church being the body of Christ and all of us as believers being individual members of the body. All together, we comprise the body of Christ. Here we're local, but it's a part of a global, universal body of Christ that is comprised of every believer, Not only alive today, but throughout the ages. Man, it's an amazing thing. And Paul carries this image over into the next chapter in Ephesians 5. He says, For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but rather nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Now, not just about lying, but in all of our behaviors towards one another. I think this is like the most powerful revelation that we can get that will inform, that could inform the way that we treat one another in every respect. In Christ, if you are in Christ, you are united to him and you are made to be a part of his body. Wow. So, When I give my life to Christ, when I repent of my sins, when I turn to him, I'm united to his body. But then Roel comes along and Roel puts his faith in Jesus Christ. Roel repents and he is united to the body of Christ too. So now not only am I united to Christ and Roel united to Christ, but now I'm united to Roel. We are members of the same body. So when I lie to Roel, when I mistreat Roel, it's like I'm hating my own body. We're a part of the same body. Why would I hate my own body? By sinning against a brother, against a sister. For we are members one to another. Man, if we could get that revelation, it would completely change the way we see each other, the way we treat each other, the urgency that we would feel to repair relationship when we sin against one another. And we will. We will. That's a tricky part of belonging to a church. If you haven't been sinned, someone hasn't sinned against you yet, just be patient. They will. In this place, I will sin against you. You will sin against me. I will need to repent to you. You will need to repent to me. That's just life in the body. But man, we're in the body. We're in the body. We need to be careful with the way that we treat each other. It's a profoundly beautiful thing that we don't want to undervalue or abuse. Okay, I'm going to end with a summary just to be clear. Understand, look, you can find exceptions. I know, you know, you want your friend to have a surprise birthday party. I'm not talking about silly exceptions, okay? But in almost every instance, Lying is a part of the old corrupt nature. It is caused by desires that come from the deceit of Satan. Therefore, it should be stripped off and put away with the old sinful self in all of our relationships. Let me be categorical. Do not lie to your spouse, do not lie to your children. Do not lie to your colleagues. Do not lie to your customers. And as Christians, do not lie to one another. Let there be no lying, no duplicity, and no deceit among us. Because we are members, one of another. Instead, let's be truthful. Because God is truthful. Let's be honest. Let's walk in the light as He is in the light. Let's be renewed in the spirit of our minds by trusting in the power and the promises of God and remembering that we together comprise the body of Christ. Let's be set free and live by the truth. And if we will become who God has declared that we truly are, then perhaps those who are still deceived by the lies of Satan will see and come to glorify our Father in heaven. As the world gets darker in this respect, let us shine like stars in the night sky by the way that we live our lives marked by truthfulness and honesty may it be so because this is god's will for us in christ jesus thanks for listening we hope this message has blessed you for more information about our church you can find us online at c3grow.org